Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And today, I hope people with anxiety hear this. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope They Hear This podcast. And this guest that we have on today, he promised us last time that he would be here and he held up his promise. So thank you for returning. It's an, uh, it's an honor to be here at the uh, I Hope I Hear This podcast. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to introduce you as a pastor, Andy, Andy Yun, right? Sure, yeah, yes. Congratulations on your uh, ordination. Thank you. Yeah, uh, about three weeks ago, I officially got ordained, so you can call me Reverend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but today you are not here in a pastor's capacity, but your other job, which is coaching, Right. Yeah, uh, I've been in the world of of kind of life coaching, um, team development coaching for about five years now. Mm-hmm. Um, so today I come as a coach. Yeah, and the topic that we wanted to discuss today, it actually came from a, a private conversation you and I were having one day, and I I told you, yeah, sometimes like I get anxious about stuff and mm-hmm. I deal with anxiety. Not not on a clinical level, I would say. I'm not diagnosed. I'm not taking medication for it for it or anything, but yeah. we were having this conversation and you, you were, you said, Hey, that would be a great topic for the podcast. Cause yes, a- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Keep going, David. Yeah. And we, we felt, and we know a lot of people around us who deal with the same thing. And we figure probably all over the country, there are people, young adults who are dealing with the anxiety that they don't really know how to identify or address. So I, th- I thought we, we could do kind of a live coaching session. Uh, yes. You as the coach, me as the subject. <laughs> you as the guinea yeah. pig, yep. Yeah, but um, yeah. before we get into that, but you, do you want to talk a little bit more about what you do as a life coach? Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, and the first thing I'll say, too, is just to tag on with what you were saying, mm-hmm. David, about this, <clears throat> this thing called anxiety. I mean, um, I just came back from Silicon Valley. I was there three weeks ago visiting mm-hmm. some friends. And one of my friends who actually is a discipleship pastor uh, for one of the largest churches out there, mm-hmm. they actually did like a church-wide survey of thousands and thousands of congregants, most of them being millennials, and actually uh, staggering over 60% wrote down that uh, one of their biggest issues uh, was anxiety. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I mean, even there, it was just uh, kind of like live intel um, that I felt like was reflective of maybe what maybe uh, a lot of millennials go through. Mm. And so as you and I were talking about it, it just all kind of seemed very pertinent and relevant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, again, uh, this is Andy Un. I don't know if we mentioned that yet. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, uh, basically, I originally got introduced to the world of coaching uh, when I started working for a leadership development company called Giant Worldwide. This was back in 2014. And just had a phenomenal run with them. Um, I was able to get exposed and learn a a ton about the world of coaching. Mm -hmm. And personally, for me, I actually felt that so so many different parts of my life were converging through the vehicle of coaching. So I felt as though I kind of found a sweet spot of Mm -hmm. sorts. Um, And then so what happened was in in, uh, late 2016, actually the beginning of 2017, I kind of took a, a step of faith and I, I uh, incorporated my own kind of boutique coaching company mm. uh, called Nabi Design. 
and uh, I've been kind of running, uh, running that and, and coaching through that vehicle for the last two and a half years. And uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much kind of what I do. I mean, obviously, I, I am the director of Daniel Prayer Garden, um, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of counseling that goes on through what I do at Daniel Prayer Garden. Um, but I'm also able on the side to do uh, life coaching, one-on-one coaching uh, for various types of individuals. Mm-hmm. Hey, and quick question, yes. Nabi Design, right? Yes. Can you explain why? I think I know what it is, sure. but can you explain? Yeah, so Nabi Design for me was actually a play on words. Um, it's kind of a two-fold hidden meaning. Mm-hmm. So if you're Korean, you already know what Nabi is. Um, actually, our logo is a butterfly, so <laughs> there's no uh, hiding there. But uh-huh. yeah, the whole idea with Nabi was um, that we're taking people from caterpillar to butterfly. Mm. It's a process of transformation. Mm. Um, and then funny enough, the word Nabi in the Hebrew actually means prophet. Oh. Yeah. And I thought that that was really cool because I felt that so much of what we do uh, helped to bring meaning back to people's mm. lives. And so we decided to call it Nabi Design because uh, a lot of our coaching methodology is based in design thinking principles. Okay. Yep. Oh, so, well, I didn't know that second part. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm glad I asked the question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but before we dive into what our, our live coaching session, um, I just wanted to talk to you generally about anxiety. And you, you give us a us the statistic about 60% of those of the congregation in Silicon Valley. Yep. Uh, they deal with anxiety. Why do you think it's so pervasive? Yeah, uh, that is a great question. Um, well, first of all, I, I, I want to try to break down mm-hmm. what anxiety is. Obviously, this isn't a exhaustive definition. But for me, as I think about anxiety, I don't see it as kind of a linear singular entity but Mm -hmm. i almost feel like it's kind of this ball if you will that many different things can feed anxiety so basically Mm -hmm. what i'm saying is it's not this singular thing but anxiety can take on so many shapes and forms Mm -hmm. basically what i'm saying okay but if i were if i were to try to describe uh what i think anxiety is is i think the first word that comes to my mind is fear Mm -hmm. so much of our anxiety is rooted in some sort of fear Right. Some would even call it an irrational fear. Um, I would say uh, with that, it's a sense of insecurity. Uh, with that, it's a sense of stress or anxiousness. Um, it can be, uh, uh, yeah, just um, a sense of nervousness. It can be a feeling of unsettledness. Mm-hmm. So really, I'm using all of these type of adjectives to try to kind of paint a picture of what we're dealing with. But I think at the end of the day, it is, it's a sense of not feeling settled. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and so what do you think is causing that? Cause they're just thinking statistically, cause sure. that's, that's what I do sure. uh, on a, for my day job. Yeah. When there is such a pervasive issue. Yeah. Usually there's a common cause. Sure. Um, cause it would be hard. I would be hard pressed to, believe that there are unique causes for every person to have the same sort of anxiety. Right. Um, so do you think there is any sort of common cost amongst millennials that is... that is? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I'm going to try to answer this somewhat holistically. Yeah. Because, okay. I mean, it, it is a holistic issue. But right. um, And I want to give a quick disclaimer. Um, by no means am I an expert on this subject, um, but I have dealt with a lot of people that, you know, deal with anxiety um, and it's stuff that I've tried to study here and there. But I mean, mm-hmm. in, in, from my vantage point, I would say 
there's kind of three to four things that immediately come to my mind. Mm. I think number one is uh, a lot of it is a societal kind of epidemic or it's mm. a societal issue, if you want to call it. And what I mean by that is, you know, we've all heard the Simon Cynics. We've all heard kind of these thought leaders talk about it. Mm. But really, at the end of the day, I feel as though uh, living in an age where connection, authentic connection um, feels so scarce and foreign. I think that's a major factor mm. uh, into anxiety. Uh, I would say the second thing would be, um, I guess, kind of living in a FOMO culture. Mm. I, you know what I mean? Right. Um, I think, you know, I mean, the, the stereotypes are true, right? Uh, as millennials, we tend to be kind of hyper idealists. Right. And so a lot of the times, I think it's expectations and unmet expectations and things of that nature that I think can add uh, to anxiety. Um, but I also think kind of overall, mm. you know, you, there's a, just a lot of fear mongering as well. Mm. You know, like, I mean, I, I, I don't have to explain it, but it's like anytime you turn on the news, like, what are you seeing on your news feed? Right. It's, we seem to like love bad news. Mm. And I think sometimes we don't take a step back and think, what is that actually doing to us on a psychological level? Right. Right. It's yeah. like, uh, I, I wish we could be these objective robotic creatures to just take in information, but I think even that type of stuff plays uh, plays a role in our anxiety. Um, these would be kind of generalized blanket statements, yeah. but I definitely do think even with the general, um, there are definitely the case-by-case -case, uh, scenarios as well. Right. I'll, I'll add one more thing to this just because this is relevant. I'll probably get back into this in a second, but um, I think a lot of it actually has to do with... Um, our experiences as well. Hmm. I think uh, trauma, um, mm. negative experiences. And I only say this because this is super fresh because I just had a coaching session literally a couple days ago where we were actually tackling this very issue. Hmm. And for that person, um, we found the root of uh, that person's trauma to actually be rooted in something that uh, happened at a very young age. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But you know, when you mentioned fear mongering, yeah, that immediately I was I resonated with because I feel like it's observable in our society. Mm -hmm. so me and my wife, we watch local news a lot. Mm -hmm. We don't have cable or anything, but we we have these antennas that get the local news channels. Yes. And the, I feel the only time that we see feel good news segments yeah. is in the morning when That's it's right. like those lively kind of upbeat you know, talk shows in the morning. Yeah. But any sort of serious news shows, yep. I feel like it's always bad news. Well, something's going wrong. Yeah. You know, something's about to go wrong. Something yeah, has yeah, gone yeah. wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, David, you and Shirley might be the uh, some of the only millennials that watch <laughs> television cable news. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but I, but, but I completely agree. I think it's pervasive in so many different media outlets yeah and fomo I, I feel like i don't even have to talk about because yeah we see a highlight reel of everyone's life through social media yep and we ask ourselves why can't our lives be like that yep and i, I guess we'll get into it when we do the live coaching session but i, I that is very relatable okay. because where i am in my career i feel like i am settled and i've kind of hit my goal of where i wanted to be Okay. But I see social media and say, well, all these people are doing so much better than me. Like, why? <laughs> where did I go wrong? Where did I take the misstep? Sure. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So is that a good segue to going into, uh, or is there anything you wanted to mention before we get into it? Um, no, but I, I, I guess I just kind of want to let whoever's listening, I mean, even mm-hmm. just pause and think about that for a second, mm-hmm. right, is, um, you know, just even taking a quick 15, 20 seconds to ask yourself, you know, if you were to be honest with yourself, generally speaking, does social media make you feel generally better about yourself? Mm. Or would you actually say at the end of the day, it produces an anxiety? Mm-hmm. I'll kind of let the listener decide. But Ooh. anyways, <laughs> go ahead, David. Yeah. So I, let me just kind of paint the picture of what I mean when I say I've experienced anxiety in my life. And I think I started, well, it started a little bit in college when I started realizing that grades will impact my future. Mm. I tell kids nowadays that it's not true because I've experienced it to be so. But at the time, all I knew was if I don't have a certain GPA, I won't get a certain job. And if I don't have that certain job, the trajectory of my life will be determined. Wow. So it started a little bit there because I want I, I'm not trying to be arrogant, I, but I want to say that I was pretty smart. Yeah. Um, just throughout. Sure. But my grades were never that great because sure. all the classes I weren't, I wasn't interested in, I just, I didn't care. So my GPA graduating college wasn't that great. Yeah. But thankfully, we had a project with the actual company that we did for our last like, graduating project. Yeah. And through networking, I was able to get a job. So it subsided then. Once I got that job at, at a big company. Yeah. Um, so... My anxiety kind of subsided. Yeah. But the when it really ticked up and ramped up was when my career started going really well. Mm. So imagine. So I, it felt like for me, I was fed this dream, right? Mm. If you get to this certain point, mm. then everything will fall into place. Sure. And your life will be infinitely better than where you are now. Because where you are right now you're like an unhatched egg, right? So you, you don't know what you're going to be. But if you get that first job, mm. that's what's going to determine what you're going to be in life. Hmm. And so my first job, I got whenever I got promotions, it was a great feeling. Yeah. But once like a month or two had passed, I went right back to feeling like, oh, man, I got to get that next promotion. Okay. So mm-hmm. can I pause you yes. for a sec? Mm-hmm. So. The coaching begins. Okay. <laughs> okay. So f- the first thing I want to do is even kind of unpack really quickly. You said that you were on this trajectory where grades determined kind of college and college determined, you know, job and job determined future. Mm-hmm. So if you were to kind of unpack the question beneath the question, what do you think was what do you think was undergirding all of that? Meaning like what, like if you had to summarize it in a word, mm. what do you think that you were actually looking for through the job or through the college? Like what's underneath all of that? A big part of it, I would say was familial pressure. Okay. Specifically parental pressure. Sure. Sure. Um, and this is important. This is good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because I come from a Korean family. Sure. I, my mom was like the typical tiger mom okay she didn't have a job she was a stay-at-home mom wow so she was like a educational slave driver (laughs) i love her she's like the sweetest person ever but when it came to raising us she was very on top of things and so yeah i think i derived my yeah if i really think about it my 
meaning was probably derived from almost approval slash acceptance. Okay, boom. And I, I actually want to expand it. Not just my family, but our entire like Korean American cult uh, community. Wow. Because um, there was a part of me that said, if I don't do well, my parents will be embarrassed of me. And then you, they won't be accepted. You won't be accepted. Right. Wow. So, I, but here I want to make this clear. I never doubted my acceptance from my parents. Sure. I knew I knew they loved me, wow. and that would never change. But wow, I just wanted to give them that extra like bonus of being able to say my son succeeded. Wow. Yeah. So I'm gonna pause. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna do this from time to time. I think yeah. this is really key because I think what you're really identifying right now is you're actually identifying the motivator. Mm. You're actually identifying. What was the driver, the locus inside of you that was moving you um, to perform mm. or to, to pursue after? Is it, is it making sense? Yeah, yeah. So it's like we're actually what you're doing is you're identifying what what was that? Right. Mm. And I think that this is super interesting because you're bringing a cultural element into it, because I would say typically for just the average person, mm. when you hear, you know, grades equal school, equal job, equal future. Most people would say they were looking for security, mm. but for you, it wasn't so. It wasn't as heavily security as much as it was acceptance. You, you know what's interesting? Because sure. um, this is kind of the ramp up period. Yeah. When I get to when it kind of hit the peak, I think it switches. Okay. Yeah, because I felt I always felt secure. Yeah. Because my dad has had his own business. Sure. And financially, I mean. I'm just gonna put it out there. My first car was a Lexus. Nice. Um, so uh, come on, somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so my parents were not. Yeah. They were very generous with yeah, their money. Yeah. And but when the 2008 recession hit, wow. Uh, the his he had to close down his company, and okay. he's fine now. But there was a period where he he went as far as bankruptcy. Wow. Um, but so all that to say, when I first got my job, yeah, I wasn't. When I was first pursuing my career, yeah, I was never really motivated by seeking financial security. Wow. But I think what ended up happening is, once my dad did declare bankruptcy, sure. I had to buy a house for them under my name. Wow. For a period, I was paying their mortgage mm. and all that. So it it became a, it went from, a community pressure. Yeah. To Oh, now I have almost like my family's livelihood was on my resting on my shoulders. And how old were you when that happened? And that happened. Uh, how old were you in two thousand eight? So, two thousand eight was when it started kind of going downhill, and okay. two thousand ten was when he actually declared bankruptcy. Okay. So I was twenty two. Wow. Yeah, twenty two. Okay. So yeah. you were. Either graduating college or almost fresh out of college. Yeah, I had. I think I just had started my job. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm gonna quick pause. Yeah. So as you go back and you think about just that time period in your life, mm-hmm. do you feel that anxiety started to brew for you? So I was definitely more aware sure. that if I lost my job, right, that it the impact wasn't isolated just to me oh wow it was to my mom my dad and for a little bit even my brother because my brother was in law school wow um so that it if we had lost our our home and all that my brother would probably had to come back home and all that so i knew of the i knew what the repercussions would have been if i had lost my income wow 
So then looking back on hindsight, I mean, you can share quickly, but mm-hmm. um, how do you think you took that as a 22-year-old? Actually, you know what? Now I had forgotten about it, but I took it pretty hard. Mm. Um, there were days where, so this was a few years, a few years into that when Shirley and I were just, we weren't even dating at the time. Wow. I would occasionally just be like, Hey, I'm having a really bad day. Can we just meet up? Wow. Yeah. So, and wow. I'm not the type of person to do that. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So this is good, David. Or mm. you, you know, the, the coaching has begun. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it all, all we're doing is, I mean, yeah, we're. It's interesting that you're you yourself are just identifying these mm. things on your own. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, okay. So so, um, how would you say anxiety plays out in your life today? Today, it's so the I think it's very similar still today. Okay. Because so I will say this from when I first had that job, I've gone on to my second job yep. and my income is out. I, I want, I don't want to, okay. How do I put this? Just keep it real, David. I feel like I make a lot of money. Sure. Yeah. You're doing well. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like I'm doing well. Um, not to say that I'm rich, sure. but I, you're comfortable. I'm very comfortable. Yeah. 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 So Knowing that I'm comfortable yep. now that I have a wife, yep. now that I have a daughter, yep. I now even more realize what losing my job would mean. Wow. Um, it's this safety net is really gone because before, if I lost my job when it was just with my family, it only affected you. Um, it only affected me. Plus, there were other people to carry the load. My mm. brother mm. and my dad was still able to find work and mm. things like that. Mm. Um, it, it would have impacted us, but yeah. it wouldn't have been devastating. Wow. But I feel like now, yeah, because my wife is, uh, she, she has a day job, yep. but she eventually wants to pursue running soft tea full time. Wow. Entrepreneurship. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And once that happens, it's, I'm going to be the sole income provider of the family. Wow. And now I can see devastation wearing its ugly head sure right so if i were to lose my job sure my wife would have to give up her dream of yep. running this business yep and my daughter we might not be able to get her the things that yeah we want to get her yeah yeah so this is interesting right mm-hmm. um here's what i kind of want to dissect for a second mm-hmm. so everything you're saying is actually true mm-hmm. in the sense that uh, factually it's true right mm-hmm. is as the sole breadwinner or as the main breadwinner you know, if you were, if something were to happen to your job um, or your job security, it wouldn't just affect you, but right, it would affect now your family. Mm-hmm. So that statement is true. But what I want to kind of splice for a second is that statement may have a factual basis of, you know, validity. Mm-hmm. But the question now becomes, where does fear enter in? Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Because fear and facts are not the same thing. Right. Right. Um, we can... We can identify something to be objectively true, mm-hmm. but then that doesn't always equate to fear. So if you were to just mm-hmm. kind of ponder in your mind right now, where do you think fear comes into that equation? Yeah, let me think a little bit. Yeah. It's interesting because I think that, so there are times where, so the day-to-day anxiety of it mm-hmm. is, 
I'll suddenly out of nowhere, I'm doing fine at work. I'm not messing up. It's yep. not like there's a reason for me to fear my job security, yep. but I'll suddenly have the feeling, what if I, what if I lose this job? Hmm. And there it's manifested physically sometimes okay. where I feel like I'm getting vertigo Yep. where I literally just need to lay down and close my eyes, take a nap. Yep. And it really climaxed one weekend where there was a project that I was doing and it was a stressful project. Sure. But again, no real reason to fear the loss of my job. Mm -hmm. But because the project itself was really stressful, mm. I was at church and I literally just had to pull Shirley aside and say, hey, I, I just I can't be here. And she just had to drive me home and I, I just had to go lay in bed. Yeah, we, we would classify that as an anxiety attack. Is that? Is yeah. that? Okay. Yeah. I had an anxiety yeah. attack. I had an anxiety attack. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So if I were to draw, really pinpoint where the fear was coming from, yep. I don't think I could. Okay. No, this is good, David. Mm -hmm. uh, this is really good. <clears throat> so what you're describing right now is you're describing, if we're using an analogy of a tree, you're mm -hmm. describing fruit. Okay. okay? Um, you're, you're, you're describing moments in time where the anxiety manifests, where mm -hmm. it shows itself to be real. Mm -hmm. quote unquote real so we have these moments of feeling vertigo obviously the anxiety attack would be an extreme mm -hmm. uh demonstration of that but if that is the fruit and fruit comes from the sap of the sap of the uh the branch mm -hmm. and the branch finds its finds its life into the tree trunk and eventually the roots mm -hmm. if you were to try to travel that journey where do you actually feel like uh the anxiety stems from or roots from? Hmm. It's so if, if I'm using the analogy of the tree, yeah. The roots would the roots be the act the factual the real possibility of losing my job? Um, it would be more like where was anxiety pronouncedly introduced into your life? Hmm. Because you know, anxiety doesn't form overnight, mm -hmm. but it's it's something that tends to introduce itself mm. into our life. So where do you think, because going to the root system now, right? Mm -hmm. Where do you think anxiety first presented itself into your life where it's like, wow, like this is what it feels like to feel anxiety and pressure, mm. et cetera, et cetera. You know, oh, I've, I had forgotten about this, but my first job, yeah. I had a terrible manager okay. who... He basically threatened my job on the daily. Wow. Well, not expressly because that's illegal. Sure. <laughs> but in, in so many words, he, he just said, if you don't do this right, then your future at this company is... Wow. Is questionable. Wow. Right? Okay. So I, I actually, yeah, during that time, I, I felt and... Well, I, I wouldn't even call that anxiety. That was just bullying. Sure. Like, and I just sure. felt... Fear, fear, yeah, yep. pressure yep. at that time. And yeah, you know what? I don't think that ever really left. Okay. Because, yeah, maybe, maybe that's where I started thinking about the real possibility of yeah. losing my job sure. and what that could look like. Sure. And I think when I moved jobs, it kind of transferred over. You, you know, but one other thing. Yep. Yeah, one other thing. So... When I wrote my first book, sure, I 
it came kind of out of nowhere mm-hmm. because, oh man, I don't know if I should be saying this, but um, <laughs> it came kind of, kind of out of nowhere because I wasn't surely actually started soft tea. Sure. And I, th- I think I saw kind of a closing window yep. of my chance to do something that I wanted to do okay. before needing to really dedicate to supporting my family. Do you see what I'm saying? Sure. And that's actually why a month later I wrote another book. Yeah. Like it came out kind of pa pa because yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I felt that pressure. Yeah. And this is like my last chance. Yeah. Sure. My, and I think it was motivated by the fact that I don't I'm not super passionate about what I do as as my job. Okay. And I long for a reality where I could be doing something that provides income but also something that I enjoy. Sure. And I think that was that time period I felt was the last chance to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. And ever since I consider that window closed, yeah. not not because Shirley is forcing me or anything. Sure, sure. I'm happy to be able to support yeah. what she wants to do and what she wants to pursue. Yeah. But I think just the fact that at least for now that that window's closed. Yeah. Might feed into it a little bit. Okay. And I'll, I'll give you some quick feedback. Mm. I as as someone who's listening to you. I think all of those things may kind of play a peripheral role mm. in definitely feeding that anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to propose something to you, and you tell me if this resonates. Okay. But do you actually think anxiety was first introduced into your life when the financial crisis happened with your family back in 2008, 2010? Huh. No, yeah, that does resonate. That makes sense. So, huh. So I want you to kind of just take a moment and think about if you had to, if you had to try to relive, because obviously at the, at the age of 22, you're not super self-aware. Mm-hmm. You're maybe not even super in tune with yourself or your, even your own emotions of how you're feeling, mm-hmm. which is where most of us are when we're in our early 20s. But if you had to kind of go back in time okay. and almost place yourself into that David, mm-hmm. what do you think that David was actually feeling as those events started to unfold? I distinctly remember a lot of FOMO. Sure. Uh, and if... I don't know if I should be saying this either, but Helm, if you're listening, this is all in the past. So <laughs> I, I felt a lot of resentment toward my brother. Okay. Um, because... That that was part of the FOMO. He's wow. he's off in law school pursuing what he wants, and I'm at home financially providing for my family. And, uh, and, uh, or sorry, I didn't mean to stop you, but and you almost kind of assumed the first son role. Yes. Okay. Keep yeah. going. Keep going. Uh, and fear of letting my parents down. Sure. So, I mean, this is the second gen story all yep. around, but yep. my parents, they sacrificed so much to give us really good lives. Yep. And this was my chance to pay them back. But what if I failed? Wow. Yeah. So it's almost a fear of failure. Yeah. Yeah. So do you see a correlation from that fear of failure to even the fruit of maybe what you are experiencing closer to, 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 uh, to today? Do you see kind of hmm. a do you see a connection there? Do you see a correlation there? Yeah, yeah, because um now it's transferred to my family, my own family, but there is a fear of failing to provide 
this lifestyle to my family yep and the opportunities to my wife and eventually for my daughter as well yep so yeah it, there's i definitely see a connection there yeah so this is what i call in in when i yeah this is what i call in coaching hitting a vein mm. i can feel it now mm. um there's a resonance uh, not to say the other things weren't resonating mm-hmm. but it's like there's a groove now we're hitting a vein right i'll i'll, I'll give you uh, just another quick feedback as well so as I'm listening to you, and I'd say actually probably half the people that I've coached have been Korean, mm. just maybe by chance or degrees of separation. I don't know. Right. But um, what I see with you and your story, David, is kind of go on this journey with me, right? Okay. So David Shin, from a young age, second child, right, second mm-hmm. boy, um, you you were the mangne. You were the you were the last born yeah. of the family, right? Yeah. But in many ways, me getting to know you, I'm sure there were certain second born privileges, but you were also held to a certain standard for your own life and growth as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's not like they just let you do whatever you, you wanted to do, right? So from a, from a young age, David, you grew up with this mom and your dad, and I'm just using words that you've been sharing with me, you know, during this podcast is. Yep. But the first thing you were saying was your dad was a hard worker. Right? Mm-hmm. Your dad sacrificed a lot um, in order to provide. Right. Mm-hmm. The second thing you said was um, that your mom, you know, whether we call it a tiger mom or whatever. <laughs> right. But your uh-huh. mom was was very adamant about um, you performing at a certain level. She probably had certain standards mm-hmm. for you. And I'm only sharing all of this to say, David, is. This is what I'm sharing right now. This is not a right or wrong conversation. I, I want to make that very clear. Okay. But it's more of an examination of what is. And it's an examination of examining our soul mm. and being like, how did certain factors actually shape me? This is not right or wrong, but just how did it shape me in my childhood and in my upbringing? Right. Mm. So. For me, I mean, if I was in your position, I mean, I could only imagine, right? It's like you and here, quick, quick little snippet. Here's the thing is so much of this actually happens at the subconscious level. Mm. So a lot of the times we're actually not cognizant of these things. Mm -hmm. Some people argue that uh, our subconscious, which feeds our consciousness, is 85% of of our thinking. So actually, it's really 10% uh, Uh, of our brain or our mind that is actually conscious. Mm -hmm. We're using our conscious energy. So that's just a quick little snippet. But so, so much of this is happening on the subconscious level. And as you're growing up, this is kind of residing in your subconscious. And then now, boom, trauma comes in. Mm. I mean, some people would call it trauma, but I'll just call it trauma for the sake of conversation. Boom, 2008, financial crisis. The events start to unfold, financial crisis for your family. Mm. So now trauma or some sort of impact has been introduced. And as a result of that impact, now a burden has been placed on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. A burden that there's so many ways to examine the situation, but to a certain degree, I'm just going to use it for this conversation. Mm -hmm. You may not have been prepared for. Mm. Yeah. Are you seeing what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, and and I'm not trying to make this... uh, the point I'm trying to make is some would even argue that a firstborn, because mm-hmm. of the development and the nurture of that firstborn, they may be more suited to assume that role. Mm-hmm. But here you are as a secondborn now assuming 
a heavy responsibility role. Right. Is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me just, uh, I just want to add one thing. Yeah. Uh, I just want, because my brother's going to say <laughs> something if I don't mention this. Once my brother graduated and he yeah. started working, he helped way more than I did. Of course. Right? Um, of course. But he, he, but he was still off. He was in New York for a little bit, Philly. Mm -hmm. He was in California. So he was always kind of away. Mm -hmm. But he was always helping financially. Absolutely. So I was... But I will just say this. I was definitely closer to the situation. Absolutely. And I was in it first. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. So, yeah. And I think this is really good because, um, I mean, obviously you want to, you know, share the facts. Yeah. But um, I think this is really good because oftentimes what happens in coaching relationships, and this is actually pretty uh, typical with even Korean, uh, the Korean people or Korean millennials, mm -hmm. is oftentimes they will kind of be wary of sometimes even pointing a finger. Mm. Just follow me what I'm saying, right? Okay. And I understand where they're coming from, but what I try to help them do as a coach is I'm like, hey, this, this is actually not about pointing a finger of who was right or who was wrong. But if we're going to, if we're going to discover the root of your anxiety, then we have to be committed to the truth. Mm. Okay. Because, right, I mean, yeah. the Bible does say the truth will set you free. Yeah. So oftentimes, you know, um, so I just hope you feel that, right? It's yeah. like, obviously, you know, this is not about judgment, but we want to identify what actually happened for you, mm -hmm. even if it was just a perceived reality, because until we, until we come into contact with that perceived reality, we're actually never um, making contact with actually how we felt in that moment. Mm. Is, that, is that helpful at that's, all? That's really good yeah. because I think when <laughs> I, so I've always kind of tried to investigate my anxiety by myself. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I kind of always stopped me was whenever I got to a point of, and this happened because of this person or this person. You would stop yourself. I would be, well, you know, they did the best they could. Or sure. it wasn't their fault. It was yep. probably more on me. Yep. So I never really got beyond that point. Yep. But I like the way you put it, my perceived reality. That's right. right? Because I try to always look at it an, from an objective reality sure. standpoint. But that's probably not, so what, not what's impacting my subconscious. Absolutely. It's, it's my perceived reality. Right? Absolutely. Okay. And I think this is super, this is, I love this conversation right now, actually, because this is stuff that I, I talk about pretty frequently, but I, I just find so much value in mm -hmm. because like a quick example I would give would be, yeah, like, you know, I went through certain things in my childhood and um, there are certain things that hurt me or impacted me. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to just kind of overly try to honor my dad, I'd just live in denial and be like, well, he did the best that he could or he did the best as a father that he could. And, and those are true statements. Yeah. But what I have to allow myself to do is also separate that from actually what my perceived reality was. Mm. How did I actually take it? Because whether I like it or not, those perceived realities are affecting me to this day. Yeah. And I think where coaching really comes to help is... You know, it, let me put it like this. There's two ends of the pendulum and okay. we're and we want to stay centered. So on one end of the pendulum, we have what we call denial. Okay. You're just living in denial mm -hmm. and you're right. You're living in denial. But on the other end, you have victimhood, which nothing is your fault. Everything is everyone's fault. Mm. And really what we're looking for is we're looking for the third way or we're looking for 
the real. Right. You, you, is it making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, but yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I think this is super helpful because what I notice a lot of times is people are on one end of the spectrum. Mm. They're mm. on one end of the pendulum. Um, and I think, uh, I'm hoping that this podcast speaking to someone, but for them to even try to calibrate, man, how do I be honest with myself of how I felt and what I went through? Yeah. But yet at the same time, like I'm not here to just pour out. You, you get what I'm saying? Pour yeah. Out the blame. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So now that you put it like that, the way that I perceived it, yeah, I did feel kind of like it was unfair yeah for me yeah that my brother was off doing whatever he wanted to do wow and while i had to assume the role of the first child sure and it's it was especially accented because on both my mom and dad's side yeah for the for the longest time i was the youngest yep there's one kid that's younger than me on my dad's side he yep. was he's a super late kid but so from just uh, not just my immediate family, but from all my relatives, wow. I was always looked on as the little baby. Wow. And I never really had any responsibility. Sure. From a familial standpoint. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And my brother is the oldest male on yeah. my dad's side. Yeah. So if you're Korean, you know that uh, Changnam. Yep. You know that that is a role of carrying like family honor and mm -hmm. he's responsible for carrying the family name and all that. So... I, that's how I perceived him. Sure. And in what I perceived yeah. to be the moment of greatest need for our family, right. his role of Changnam-ness that he carried all his life yep. suddenly came to me. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I would say this too is, you know, you mentioned FOMO. I'm just giving you feedback mm -hmm. with what you yeah. said. And again, some people would hear this and be like, oh, that sounds like a first world problem. Mm -hmm. But again, we're not going to live in denial and we're also not going to live on the other end, but we want to go after the truth, even the perceived reality. Yeah. So as I'm listening to you, David, would you say that at the age that you were, mm -hmm. that 22-year-old age where maybe most of your peers or you know your friends were kind of going after the singular path in their life where they were you know discovering oh, their yeah. calling, did mm -hmm. you feel like you were not afforded that same privilege? Yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, there were friends that were going off to grad school, yep. pursuing the real, like really what they wanted to learn about and things like that. Yep. That was one source of FOMO. I, I couldn't do that yep. because I wouldn't have any money. Sure. Also, my money was already kind of spoken for at the time. Yep. A secondary source of FOMO was I saw a lot of my peers, at, uh, peers in terms of career, yep. making these big financial investments and yeah. things like that. Wow. But like buying condos and renting them out and things like that. But I couldn't because I was paying for the mortgage at my house. And there was a, there was a stretch. I don't know why I did this, but I actually yeah. had an apartment that I was living in. Yeah. So I was paying rent and mortgage yeah. and like living off of peanut butter and jelly, you wow. know? So there, in, in those moments, I definitely felt FOMO in terms of I'm, I'm holding up my family while my peers are pursuing what they want to do and also setting themselves up for financial stability and success. Okay. Success. Yeah. I'm going to make a very strong beeline statement right okay. now. Okay. Um, just because, you know, a typical coaching session, you know, it can go up to an hour, two hours, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But today we're kind of doing what I call quote unquote coaching light. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but you just, 
you just uh, excavated something um, that I think is actually at the core of anxiety. Mm. And at the end of the day, FOMO is another way of saying feeling like you're missing out mm-hmm. or feeling like you're lacking something. Mm. And I actually feel like at the very core of what anxiety is, because real quick, when you're talking about all of these things, if we're going to the heart level, what's actually like if we were to take a steth- a stethoscope, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right, and listen to what your soul is actually really saying, really, it's saying that you're not settled. Hmm. You don't feel at peace. You mm. don't feel comfortable. You don't feel you don't feel settled within yourself. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, when you're ne- when you're not settled within yourself, it can only produce anxiety. It, mm. it can only um, I don't know why this is an analogy that comes up, but it's like, have you ever got your windows tinted before? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And then how do they do it? They put the film on. But then they have to squeegee out every little air. Why? Yep. Because if you leave a single bubble in there, what happens? It's going to stay there. It's going to stay there and it, it actually grows. Right. Right. And then eventually the film peels. Mm. And I feel like that's a lot of what people are going through. Mm. Right. Um, I'm going to say something. For me, uh, so much of the coaching that I do is actually based on the Bible. Mm. And when I say that, I want to say that in the sense that for me, yes, the Bible has a lot of spiritual value, and it, it does, right? Yeah, yeah. But one thing that I want to encourage people is there's actually so much practical wisdom to the Bible. Mm. There's incredible utilit- utilitarian value to it as well. Yeah. And so the way that I would break this situation down is actually Psalm 23. Okay. I actually think that Psalm 23 is, uh, is an allegory or it's a story for someone who's dealing with anxiety hmm. real quick. The first line is this, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. Hmm. Another translation would say this, the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the writer, David, what he, well, <laughs> there you go. Boom. Okay. Coincidence. No, but, but David, what he's actually saying is his first statement is he's saying, God is my provider Mm. or he's actually saying God is my everything. Yeah. Like my life is actually in his hands. That's the very first statement is he's saying everything that I need. He's my shepherd. Like my life is actually being led by somebody. Mm. Right. And then comes in the secondary statement now, which is therefore I shall not want Mm. or I shall not lack anything. So really what I think the, the profound reality that is there, right, is, and, and, you know, this is for believers and, you know, if this is speaking to you, like, I don't know, you know what I mean? But um, a lot of the times our anxiety is actually coming from this place where we feel like we're lacking something. Mm. Something's missing in our life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if we went even further, we could go back all the way to the Genesis account of even... Uh, how Adam and Eve were even deceived, right? Right. Was they were made to believe that they were lacking something. So you see this thing played all the way out. All this to say, um, is this resonating with yeah, you? Yeah, right? yeah. So it's like, um, I think this is huge because we want to discover at the end of the day, what is the source of our anxiety, mm-hmm. right? And this is where, for me, um, spirituality and psychology, there is a strong intersection. 
right? Because, okay, let me just make some statements, right? Or just give you some of my thoughts, right? Okay. At the end of the day, just typical therapy as we know it, it's awesome. I mean, I'm a, I'm a proponent for it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. so much of what I do has a therapeutic component to it, right? But my point in saying all of that is there is a limitation, mm. right? Therapy is awesome. I'm not knocking it. Please hear me out. But what I am saying is what I've noticed is therapy can take you so far because what it's doing is it's helping you to be in touch with your soul again to understand what's actually going on there. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes it's actually not giving you a breakthrough. Mm. It's not showing you the way out. Are you making sense? Mm, mm-hmm. At best, what it can do is it can help you with management. Okay. Is, you see what I'm saying? Right. And, and that's all practical and necessary too. But for me, the spirituality component or what I would call the God component is if we don't know where to place our security, mm. then we're always trying to manage our insecurity. Right. Is it making sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, uh, again, I'm not making these like kind of just general blanket statements because I think both are necessary, Mm. right? We have to get in touch with our soul to know what's going on. But from that place, now we have to introduce truth, Mm. right? And I say truth as capital T truth because I would say I found this statement to be heavily true and I find this is actually what makes uh, genuine coaching, I think, really effective is that... um, I mean, Jesus said it. It's like the truth will set you free. Yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know if you have any thoughts to that. Yeah, no, it definitely. So it definitely resonated when you said, I'm looking for a place to put my security. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think we've identified that the fear of missing out, FOMO that I have is fear of missing out on financial stability almost. Wow. Um, and. Yeah, if, if that security were placed in God instead of finances, wow, that anxiety might not be there. Wow. Yeah. 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 No, th- this is really good because <laughs> a couple months ago, I actually wrote a blog post about it, boiling it down. It was it was kind of an abstract piece, but boiling it down, it was me struggling with not knowing where my anxiety was coming from. So real quick, yeah, just as you're giving me feedback, mm-hmm. so do you feel like a sense of clarity came to you? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Because for the longest time, I looked at my life and said, look, I have a great wife. Yep. I have a beautiful daughter. Yep. I have a, a good job. I mean, I don't love it, but it's paying, definitely paying the bills and more. Wow. I have a great community around me, including you. Mm-hmm. Um, Thank and, you. And my church, you know, everything, right? Yep. So on the surface, everything looks great. And even wow. myself introspectively, like thinking and looking at it, yeah. I couldn't really pinpoint where my anxiety was coming from. Wow. Um, but yeah, I, I think this does add a lot of a lot of clarity. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I would just give this is because, um, you know, I, yeah, it could feel like a cliffhanger, but I, I would say this is typically mm-hmm. like in these type of scenarios, right? Um, I mean, there's multiple different ways to go about it, but it's like we've identified the root going back to the whole tree analogy, right? Mm-hmm. We've identified possibly where a lot of this quote-unquote energy comes from right Mm. um and i think this is key because i would say the way that i would go about it in coaching right uh what i what i kind of share with people sometimes is what i do is a it's kind of a combination of consulting um coaching and counseling Mm -hmm. right and uh here's just a fun analogy it's like 
counseling is like massage therapy Mm -hmm. consulting is like chiropractic and coaching is like physical therapy and when you when you can combine all of those together now you're not just making a one-time adjustment you're not just Mm. massaging the wound but actually you're retraining the muscle how to function right as it's supposed to right right so the way i would kind of go about something like this would be um there's different methodologies using prayer um inviting god into the process but Mm. i'd invite god uh through a guided prayer process called listening prayer it's been part of the church for thousands of years or Mm. hundreds of years but um asking god to help you to actually go into the subconscious Mm. and to discover where those pain points were Mm. and a lot of it is actually bringing healing and restoration to those areas Wow. I'll just share this real quick. The reason why this is so relevant is because literally like a couple of nights ago, uh, we had a good friend of ours come over mm-hmm. and we we're just having dinner. And then spontaneously, this is where the conversation went. And this is what he literally said. He goes, I just live with this irrational anxiety. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh-huh. He was just like, and, and then I said, so tell me more. I just asked him and he said, it's weird. He's like, I'll wake up in the middle of the night at four o'clock in the morning with just this sense of anxiety Mm. and I don't know what to do. And so I had to look at him and I said, you do understand that that's not normal, Mm. right? You do understand that there's maybe something off kilter there. And Mm. he was like, no, I do. I just don't know what to do about it. So to make a long story short, what we ended up doing was we were hanging out in our living room and then I was leading him through this kind of guided prayer. Mm. And what really, what took place was God was actually taking him back to a memory to when he was six years old mm. and it was crazy because even he was tripping out he's like i don't even know how i can remember this in vivid detail mm. but what we have to understand is is number one god is god yeah <laughs> but number two it's like god doesn't exist in time no. and he's actually able to help us in that way and so what he ended up what ended up happening was um i asked him i said you know do you believe that god was with you in that moment and God was revealing to him where he was in that moment. And this dude who is a very kind of, I don't know what you want to call it, like hard edge CEO type, he just mm. starts crying oh, man. in the middle of our, of our uh, living room. And we knew that there was something being healed in his heart, almost reliving something that he went through at six years old. Mm. But it was through the comfort and the security of God. Mm. Like God himself was helping him through that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's literally what just happened. I mean, literally a couple nights ago, uh, <laughs> wow. we're, ha- we're having this conversation now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'll just, I want to read this one quick quote, C.S. Lewis. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, David. Oh, <laughs> only one of my favorite authors. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, for, for me, it can feel interesting because sometimes we can separate this psychological conversation and be mm-hmm. like, well, what does that have to do with God? Yeah. And I will say it has everything yeah. to do with God. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the names of God is he's the lover of our soul, mm. which the word soul in Greek means psyche. Our, he, he loves our psychology. He loves us. Right. Mm-hmm. And so C.S. Lewis says a statement. He says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. Mm. And in essence, what he's saying is he's like, I believe in Christianity because it shows me the full picture. Mm. And I would say even for me as a a counselor or practitioner, whatever you want to call me, I would say for me, I would 
resonate very strongly with that statement. Yeah. Is that God is completely pertinent to, um, to psychology and counseling because I think by him and through him, we see the full picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I love that you added that because we often try to separate God, even Christians try to separate God from quote unquote real life. We have like spiritual life, yep. we have real life yep. and we try to separate the two. Yep. But yeah, as, as the creator of our soul, right. As a give provider of our spirit. Yep. I think we definitely do when, especially when we're talking about things like anxiety, which yeah. is a mental thing. Yeah. We, we do need to look inward and uh, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like last little snippet I'll say is, you know, one of the names of the Holy Spirit is he's called the counselor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, you know, what I've come to find out is, uh, he's a really good counselor. Yeah. 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 So, but yeah, I hope this was helpful, David. Yeah, no, I, it was really helpful for me. I'm, and I'm sure it'll be helpful for the listeners as well, because when your friend said, I have this irrational anxiety, yeah. I think that's kind of how I felt before as well. Wow. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who can't even talk about it because it seems like a, such an irrational thing. Wow. So if anything, I'm hoping that this podcast inspires people to talk about it yeah to be open and vulnerable vulnerable about it yeah i mean i did it on the podcast so yeah. you know if i can do it yeah if a hyper introvert like me can do it yeah i'm sure anybody can do it and yeah it's and the ultimate goal i think i don't really do this on this podcast a lot but if you really are struggling with things internally like this don't write off god don't yeah. write off jesus don't write off uh church yeah um, I, a lot of people find sanctuary there. Yeah. A, a lot of people, I mean, as a Christian, I firmly believe that we were created by God. And yeah. as a create, who would you go to for fixing your computer? Someone who knows how to build one or someone who kind of just know how it works. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's, that's my hope for you guys for, uh, for those listening out there. Yeah. And, um, I'm, I'm going to yeah. do a quick little shameless plug, but, yeah. um, it's actually something that I've been thinking about for a while, mm -hmm. but I, I feel more and more convinced to do it is um, I think in 2020, early 2020, uh, to be determined, date to be determined. But um, I actually want to do more seminars and even eventually a leadership cohort mm. or like a community cohort um, around kind of this intersection between psychology and spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, so I just want to throw that out there. If, yeah. If things that you know were mentioned here resonated with you, um, probably closer to the end of the year on our website, danielprayergarden.org, Daniel mm -hmm. we're going to post up some information if people want to learn more. Yeah, yep. yeah, for sure. And if you guys are uh, curious about anything that we talked about today, if anything resonated with you, if you thought this was helpful, if it wasn't helpful, please uh, give us some feedback at ihthtpodcast.com. That's I hope they hear this podcast at gmail.com. And if there, you have any specific questions for Andy, feel free to email me and I will for sure relay the message to him. Um, I'm, this conversation was great. I loved I it. I loved it, bro. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. It's been an honor. Appreciate yeah, it, David. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, talk to you next week. <laughs>